Welcome to worship at First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia. We are an inclusive family of faith seeking to follow Jesus who turned no one away. Neither do we. At First Baptist Church, individuals can find family. Families can find community. The injured can find healing. And all can seek truth and justice. We labor together in love for each other, our community, our world, and our God. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. The following service from First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia, was recorded on September 8th, 2019. pleasure to welcome you to worship here with us this morning at First Baptist Church of Savannah. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us on this bright and beautiful morning after a harrowing week for a lot of people. We hope that if you are a guest, you would uh, sign one of our guest cards, whether you're from near or far, we would love to connect with you and help you stay connected to our church wherever you call home. Just a few notes about our worship today. Um, there was some uh, difficult time uh, for many of us this week, and that prevented us from being able to spend a whole lot of time working on our worship guide. Um, and one thing that we are adding to our worship guide that is not written in there is that we will have a children's time directly after the Gloria Patri, where it normally is. So if you are a child, when you hear the Gloria Patri, you are welcome to come forward. I will be down front at the chair for the children's time. Also, our third lesson is from Psalm 139 today, and that insert is found in your worship guide. You will be reading that together with John uh, before the sermon. With those words, let us turn now to our call to worship. Hear these words. We've come to worship God, who loved us before we were born, who knows us even better than we know ourselves, whose presence never leaves us, and whose love for us never ceases. This is our God. Let us worship together. Let us pray. God, be in my head and in my understanding. God, be in my eyes and in my looking. 
God be in my mouth and in my speaking. God be in my heart and in my thinking. God be at my end and in my departing. Amen. hearts and minds together as we affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. <coughs>
Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. It is so good to see your faces this morning. Have y'all had a crazy week? No? I think you might have. I think you might have had a little bit of a strange week. Did you go to school this week? No, you didn't. Why? Because a hurricane came. So it was a little bit of a wild week. I want to tell you about my week. I went to Mississippi and I hung out with 22 other clergy women, like people who do what I do, and horses. I got to hang out with horses all week. It was great. Um, So I want to tell you about the day that we met these horses. This horse is upside down. This horse's name is Grace. And on Tuesday, I was at this ranch with 22 other clergy women, and we went to go have horse therapy. It was really wonderful. And so our first exercise was that we had to go into um, an arena, they called it, which is basically a big fenced-in area. And there are about six horses in that arena. So imagine six horses, 23 women going into the horse arena. Some were nervous. Some were excited. I was really excited. And these horses were just standing there. Some of them, uh, one of my friends would walk up to and try to pet, and the horse would walk away. Some of them, the horses were really sweet and wanted us to pet them. Um, One of the horses kind of bit one of the other horses. They were playing together. And so what was really interesting was to see how the horses reacted to us. And so we spent a little bit of time kind of reflecting on what those horses were thinking. And what we learned was that the horses knew us better than we knew ourselves. Some of us were really anxious, really nervous. In fact, this friend of mine was telling about how she was a little nervous coming into the arena with the horses. And right after she said that she felt comfortable, this horse walked over to her and let out a big sigh. It was like the horse figured out that she was beginning to calm down. The horse knew her better than she knew herself. And this horse's name was Grace. Grace kept walking in and out of our little circle. And I think that is true of the grace we know of God. Grace is walking in and out of the circles where we find ourselves. And so we're going to talk about that today as John reads from Psalm 139, which is a very common psalm, and talks about how well God knows us, that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And grace is walking among us. So let us pray, and then we'll continue with worship. Loving God, we're grateful for your grace that walks in and out of our lives, in and around us, and hymns us in from all sides. We pray that we would continue to know how you know us, and you would continue to reveal to us that you know us better than we know ourselves. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first lesson is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, come go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. 
So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Here ends the first lesson. Our second lesson comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. Here ends the second lesson.
James, and thank you, choir, and thank you, Bill. Will you pray with me? Loving God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I prayed first in that way this morning because I need your help to begin this sermon. The scripture that we are reading today is a treasure. The psalmist sums up well the omniscience or the all-knowing side of God and creates a pastoral response that is compassionate, grateful, and deeply human. It's a familiar psalm that many recite by memory. It's a psalm that I've watched bring individuals to tears in the midst of all the uncertainty, of all the chaos and all the destruction we saw and experienced last week, it's good to hear about. It's good to read about our God and the presence of our God in our lives this morning. Sometimes we just need a pastoral word. And interestingly enough, it's also a psalm that we have danced around. The lectionary reading for this Sunday is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18. And they didn't just pick those verses to keep it short enough to read in worship. What I would like for us to do this morning is to read it aloud together. There is an insert in your order of worship with the full text of Psalm 139. And if you are watching or listening right now, we'll be reading Psalm 139 from the NRSV translation. It has the parts of the psalm that we cling to, but it also includes some problematic verses. We're going to look at all of it together. You'll notice that there is a space for a pause or a breath after verse 18. I don't want us to jump ahead. When you get to that pause, let's give ourselves a moment of complete silence to let those first 18 verses sink in. And after we read those first 18 verses... Ask yourself, what might God be speaking to you through this text? Then we'll read the last part together. Let's read aloud together. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, You know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and lay Your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from Your Spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. What might God be speaking to you through this scripture? Let's continue to read aloud. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Was verse 19 a little jarring for you? The most beautiful, meaningful, and comforting poetry is followed by, Oh, that you would kill the wicked. There is no historical context for this psalm. We don't really have any information about who the bloodthirsty, wicked adversaries are that the psalmist is facing. The revisers of the lectionary and most churches reading this psalm today will leave that part out, and for good reason. But I'm kind of fascinated by it. To me, it shows that the psalmist is fully human. And we see the full range of emotion in times of struggle in this text. The psalmist is just like us. God, make the pain stop. Make the struggle go away. Defeat the ones who are causing all of this harm. Those all sound very human to me. I imagine we've all said something like that when we were in the midst of adversity and struggle. I love that we get a real glimpse into the psalm writer's emotions. Everything isn't just the beautiful poetry that we've come to know and love and to sing. Whoever these adversaries are, we know for sure that the psalmist views himself or herself as more righteous. But God, I hate the people who hate you. I hate the same people you hate. Those people are awful, and God must hate them. Haven't we all thought something similar? Or I bet we've at least said something along the lines of, well, at least I'm not like that person. 
or like those people. That one is always kind of funny to me. I've said it so many times, but I imagine it works about as well with God as it does the police officer who pulls you over for speeding. But officer, they were going just as fast, or I wasn't going as fast as that person. I have yet to hear the story where the police officer says, you're exactly right. I'm not going to write a ticket for you speeding because everybody else was doing it. But we are just like that person. We are human. We need grace just as much as the next person. And reading through this text, it seems that there is a comforting side to God. And the action or movement for us is to hate those who God hates and to love those who God loves. I think that's true. We are to hate those who God hates and love those who God loves. Well, who does God hate? Who does God hate? You know, there is a church, and this may sound a little judgmental on my part, but I use the word church loosely here. There is a church who goes around picketing the funerals of soldiers. They protest outside of public schools. I've even heard stories of this group showing up at the doorsteps of churches who have made a stance to become open and affirming. And with their bullhorns and their signs and their assured righteousness, they tell everyone exactly who God hates. Even their website domain name tells us exactly who they think God hates. This church is called Westboro Baptist Church, and I think many of you know who I'm talking about. As far as their website goes, and the phrase that's found most often on their picketing signs, nothing close to that phrase can be found in our scriptures. Period. One could argue that Psalm 5.5 says, God hates all evildoers. And I would argue back, that the psalmist once again is sharing a human response to a mysterious God. Of course God hates who we hate, right? And although we know that David couldn't have written all the psalms, since they cover a great deal of history, those first few psalms might have well been written by David. Can you honestly hear David saying the words, God hates all evildoers? Guess what David was known to do? Evil. That's right. Let's remember that he, had, that he had the husband of his married lover sent to the front lines of battle to kill him when he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant. He had many concubines. He killed and was responsible for the death of many people. This was a different time period. But he was human just like you and me. And sometimes he lived in righteousness and many times he did not. But just like the psalmist, we are products of a society that has been telling us who to hate our whole lives. And it's so often that we put that hatred on God. I asked a question at our first day VBS session, and I'd like to ask that question again this morning. By show of hands, how many of you have heard of original sin? Now, how many of you have heard of original blessing? The story of sin and the story of evil and the story of hatred has been repeated so often in this world. 
But the story of God's loving presence is how our scripture begins. The truth is right there in the very first chapter of Genesis. God looks at all of creation and exclaims that it is very good. That is after God creates human beings in God's own image. God says all of creation is very good. This is original blessing. And all of God's creation carries it. All of God's creation is included. You and every single person you encounter carries this original blessing and this goodness. Now, I am sure God is disappointed with injustice. I am sure God is disappointed with violence. I am sure God is disappointed with hunger. I am sure God is disappointed with economic inequality and disparity. But who does God hate? No one. Who does God hate? If we are supposed to hate who God hates and love who God loves, the next question is, who does God love? And the answer to that question can be found throughout the rest of Psalm 139. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I take the wings of the morning and settle the furthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Who does God love? You, me, and everyone. From the very beginning, God is present. God is shaping, like Will read in the Potter's text. God is moving, and God is calling us forward. The psalmist doesn't say, I've repented, and now you are present with me, O God. No. From the very beginning, and all the way through life, God is present. There isn't a condition to this presence. This is full acceptance. Exactly as you are, warts and all. God is present with you and there are no conditions that would make God's love go away. This is unconditional. When Katie and I moved to Baltimore a few years ago, we moved into a brand new neighborhood and knew no one. But it wasn't a couple days before some neighbors knocked on our door and stopped by to ask us to come to their party. They knew nothing about us, and they asked us to come to their party. We felt incredible. We were in. We're going to a party. We've been here for two days. Our neighbors asked us all about our jobs and what brought us to Baltimore, and we lived in what many would call today a hipster neighborhood. So let's just say folks who are skeptical of organized religion. And we hesitantly told them that we were Baptist ministers. Friends, we were the only straight white couple on our block, and we were a little worried of what people might think about Baptist ministers from Georgia. These neighbors loved us. They accepted us, and they welcomed us into, our, into their lives. And after about six months of forming these relationships, we were standing outside when one of our neighbors, who happens to be gay, 
got this funny look in his eyes. And he asked, you are both Baptist ministers, right? Yes. And you work in a Baptist church? Yes. Is your Baptist church like Westboro Baptist Church? Side note, we've got a lot of work to do to reclaim our Baptist name and inheritance. We said no. We actually tried to love people. These neighbors knew from the very first time they met us that we were Baptist ministers, and they loved and accepted us from the very beginning. We could have been part of a hate group, a group that could have hated their very humanity, and still they loved us from the very beginning. Who does God love? You, 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 and all of creation. Yes, God is big enough, and God's love isn't like a pie where the, eventually the pieces run out. There is no competition. There is enough love to go around, even for our enemies. So who does God hate? No one. Who does God love? Everyone. Who should we love? Everyone. And that everyone includes yourself. God knows you, and God loves you. There is nothing you have to do to earn this. You are already at the party. There is an abundance of grace, and all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is be fully human and live into this abundance of grace. And all we have to do is offer this grace to others through our lives, through our actions, through our love. God knows you. And for the, for the psalmist, that's not a scary thought. That's a comforting thought. And for some of us, that might sound a little bit too big brothery. But hear these words. No matter what it is you have done, no matter what it is you are thinking about doing, no matter what choices you have made, God knows you and God loves you. Period. That is not going to change. We might want or need to change some things in our own lives to be healthy or to be in right relationship with others, but God knows you and God loves you. No exceptions. I've seen the bumper sticker that says, God loves you anyway. Have you seen this one? That is not what this psalm says. God loves you, period. God has been a loving presence from the very beginning, and God will continue to be a loving presence. The psalmist exclaims that God made each of us in a respectful yet wonderful way. God has made you good. You are good. You are included in this original blessing. You are part of the goodness of God's own creation. So what would it take for you to believe these words? God, you know me. God, you created me. God, you love me. To end this sermon, I'd like for us to read two more verses aloud together. If you'll get out your sheets again, let's all take a deep breath. And let's read verses 13 and 14 aloud together. 
for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. Amen. Let us now sit in the presence of God in silent prayer.
O God, you have searched us and known us. You know when we sit down and when we rise up. You discern our thoughts from far away. You search out our path and our lying down. And God, you are acquainted with all of our ways. We praise you, O living God, for you know us completely and love us completely. You have created us all good and holy, lending your image in the act of creation. Again and again we have fallen away and forgotten, but you have brought us back with words of grace and endless compassion. God, we have hidden from the mystery of your presence, and you have found us again and again and repeated the call, follow me. Loving God, you bring peace into the chaos we create. You bring hope into the webs of despair we spin. You bring your Holy Spirit into the corners of our lives. Even before a word is on our tongues, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem us in behind and before. We praise you, O living God, for you know us completely and love us completely. God, we pray for the world wrapped in your love, for the people and places dear to our hearts, and for the ones known only to yours. We pray especially this morning for those recovering from Hurricane Dorian, for Preston and Marcus, for St. Cleveland Baptist Church, for McLeanstown Baptist Church, for those from Freetown to Ocracoke. God, we ask that you would surround them with your love, your presence, and your peace as they pick up the pieces of their lives. For those who are cold, whether in body or spirit, bring the warmth that you can only provide and move us to share that warmth so that we can provide. For those who are hungry, thirsty, grieving, ill, or excluded, we ask that you would bring the comfort that only you can provide and help us to share that comfort. Hear our prayers, O living God, for you know us completely and love us completely. Where can we go from your spirit, or where can we flee from your presence? If we take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead us, and your right hand shall hold us fast. We pray all of these things in the name of the one who was love made flesh, and taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us now give back to God a portion of what God has so graciously given us.
Let us pray. God of mercy and grace, you see us for the imperfect vessels we are. Our worship is imperfect. Our love is imperfect. Our compassion for others is imperfect. Yet, your love and patience is boundless. You still call us beloved. And so in this moment, we bring our gifts to your altar and pray that in the loving hands of you, the potter, they might be made beautiful, reshaping the world in beauty and love. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you would like to join this congregation, a congregation seeking to live together in the presence of God, we invite you. Katie and I will be down front to welcome you with open arms. invited to be seated just for a moment as we talk about some of the events upcoming in the life of our church. Last week was supposed to be the first Wednesday night where we began midweek topics and those kinds of things in our regular Wednesday night programming. Let's try it again this Wednesday. What you say? Um, dinner will start at 5 o'clock with prayer concerns at 545 and then we'll have midweek topics. And I want to make sure I get these two right. The two topics are why Baptist, why be Baptist, and the other topic you are teaching, do you want to say a bit about it? Uh, am I on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other topic is going to be reclaiming the voice of the women in our Bible. Not the women that you're thinking of, but it'll be a fun one. 
It'll be good. So you're invited to join us for those times. We have guests this morning from Gordonsville. Did I say that correctly? Gordonsville, Virginia. And we have guests from all over that I can see out there. Thank you so much for being a part of our worship today. And if you're tuning in on Facebook or listening in on WRUU, we want to send a special thank you to you as well. Hear these words as our pastoral benediction. Go now, children of God. And as you go, remember that the God who created you is still moving here and now. Remember that the God who makes all things new is still resurrecting the world around us. May God give you the courage to always seek justice. May God give you the hope to see the goodness in all of creation and in every person you encounter. And may God give the humility to give yourself and others abundant grace. So go now, children of God, enveloped by the sustaining love of Christ. Amen. Amen. been listening to a worship service of First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia. We would love for you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in our sanctuary on Chippewa Square. For more information about First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia, visit us online at fbc-sav.org. At First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia, all are welcome.